You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Last week, as we continued through our parable study, we looked at the Good Samaritan. And uh, it's in that discussion with the lawyer that Jesus really emphasizes the need for us to uh, approach God's Word in such a way where we're trying to maximize living out the commands that we read there in our life versus minimizing it, right? And so we talked about how the, the lawyer there is asking, who is my neighbor? Because he knows that uh, to inherit eternal life, he's supposed to live out perfectly the Old Testament law. Now, we talked a ton last week. We won't do it again today. We talked a ton last week, though, about how we can't live that out perfectly, right? And so Jesus is ultimately the fulfillment of the righteousness we need. He is the Good Samaritan for us because he lives that way uh, on our behalf. But ultimately, the lawyer is trying to reconcile, how do I do what the law tells me to do? And that is to love my neighbor as myself. And so he wants to minimize it. Uh, Jesus, tell me who my neighbor is so that I can do it towards that individual only or that group of individuals only. He wants to minimize the expectations. I shared a similar thought and idea with our students this week at chapel that um, we, we typically as human beings live our life this way all the time. We want to minimize our efforts when it doesn't really count or when they aren't really needed. And so in the school setting, uh, a teacher gives an assignment and the immediate question from the students is going to be, um, does, this, does this count for accuracy, right? Or is it completion only? Um, does this count for a grade, right? Because the, the implication there is if it does, then I'm going to do better than if it doesn't. I'm going to be more intentional with it if it's going in the grade book. If it's not, then I'm just going to kind of blow it off. I'll give you something, but it won't be my best effort. Um, Jesus is calling the lawyer and thus calling us to live our lives differently when it comes to following his commands, that we don't try to minimize them. We try to maximize them in our life. Uh, Changing the question then from who must I serve or who is my neighbor to who can I be a neighbor to? Who can I serve? Uh, Because that's how the the parable kind of ended last week, the idea being who was the better neighbor, not who was the person's neighbor in the story, but who acted like a neighbor in the story. And obviously the Samaritan was the one who fulfilled that best. Today we jump to Luke chapter 12, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse 35 to see our text today. It says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Our summary sentence for today, Jesus is surely coming when we do not expect it. Therefore, we must anticipate his return daily with a mindset of preparation and service to avoid being surprised and to enjoy his commendation versus his condemnation. Jesus is surely coming when we do not expect it. Therefore, we must anticipate his return daily with a mindset of preparation and service to avoid being surprised and to enjoy his commendation versus his condemnation. For our kids, Jesus is coming and we need to be found obedient to him when he does. Jesus is coming and we need to be found obedient to him when he does. Um, by way of intro, we all make plans based on the future we're expecting, right? When we think something is coming or something is happening, it usually shapes our decision-making. Uh, we do this when we um, even kind of chart the course for our week. Uh, I-, I was sharing with Bob earlier today. It seems like uh, there's no rain during June and July, and then August hits, and it's like rainstorms every night. Maybe I'm more aware of it because that's when our football practices start, But it seems like every day in August, I'm having to open my weather app to see, is it going to rain today? Not really, is it going to rain today? It is going to rain today. What time is it going to rain today? Is it going to impact our practice time, and do we need to change it and move it? Are we moving locations? Are we adjusting times? We've been doing that for the past two weeks, trying to figure out when can we accomplish what we need to on the football field. We're having to adjust things constantly, but we're using that weather app to help us. We use the weather app throughout the summer, right, to know if if shorts are appropriate, uh, if a raincoat is appropriate. Uh, When we took our youth recently to Whitewater, um, I was checking the weather app, and, you know, kids were showing up saying, are we still going to go? It's supposed to rain today. And I'm telling them, this is the perfect day to go to Whitewater. You want it to rain because everybody else is checking their weather app, and they're not coming, but we are going, and we're not going to have any lines. And that's exactly what we experienced. There was nobody else at Whitewater, really, and we were just blowing through the lines because we looked at our weather app and just interpreted it differently, right? A lot of you are going to use calendar apps this week. You're going to check your calendar to see where am I supposed to be, what am I supposed to be doing throughout this week to keep yourself in check, but that's going to shape the decisions that you make this week. Can you spend time with somebody on Wednesday? Maybe not, because you're planning to go to C-Group that are kicking back off, right? So we make plans based on what we think is coming in the future. Today's parable is meant to remind us um, of the future that we know is coming as believers, right? That, that, that it is coming for sure, and, and it's supposed to help shape our decisions moving forward because we know that future is coming. Uh, that's the point of Jesus' parable today that he shares um, it's aimed at producing a response in the hearer. So we want to hear well today, knowing that the future that it's talked about here ought to change how we live in the present. Now, if you back up and read more of what's happening in chapter 12, you'll find one of the parables that we've already looked at uh, in our series, and it was the one that Tyson brought us about the rich, the rich fool, right? The guy who has all these possessions, has all this produce from his crops, and he's storing them up. He's building more storehouses to put them in. And then his, his life is claimed at an unexpected point, right? 
Like he's, he's eating and drinking and he's being merry and he's making all these long-term plans for how he's going to use his stuff and enjoy his stuff. And then his, his life is accounted for overnight. Totally unexpected, right? Then Jesus goes into talking about how we're prone to worry about what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat and will we have enough, right? So prior to this parable, keep in mind that Jesus is addressing um, the, the greed that comes from having too much stuff, right? Or being blessed with stuff and then being greedy with it and hoarding it, holding on to it. And then he also addresses the mindset of not having enough stuff or being worried that you won't have enough stuff. So greed and worry are kind of at stake here in chapter 12. And I think we see today uh, that readiness for his return is the antidote for both. Being ready for Jesus's return helps us battle against both greed and worry. And Jesus presents this parable in that context. Uh, don't be greedy for what you have. Don't be worrisome for what you don't have. Keep in mind the hope that we all enjoy is that Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. Now, when we first planted Sovereign Hope Church, one of the main motivating factors for what was going to be unique or different or particular about our church uh, was really a desire to push believers to an understanding of the return of Jesus, right? I, I grew up in a setting where, I mean, the Bible was taught weekly, and, and we were there multiple times a week hearing God's Word taught, hearing it over and over and over again. But it always felt like there was pockets of special studies relegated to the return of Jesus, and it was only during those special times did we ever talk about really the return of Jesus. So uh, we might would have a series on Revelation, or a topical series on the return of Jesus. But beyond those special times, usually on a Wednesday night or maybe a Sunday Bible study, the return of Jesus wasn't, wasn't presented or pushed. It was always, for me, kind of this unknown, uncertain, uh, you can't really fully grasp what that's supposed to be. And so it always just kind of was this, this big idea that I never fully understood as a believer. And then when I began to study Revelation on my own and began to study the return of Jesus on my own, I began to realize Man, it's bigger than like charts and graphs and theories and predictions. Like this is the blessed hope of the believer. Like we have to be talking about the return of Jesus. Like this is what motivates us to obedience and faithfulness today, knowing that he's coming back. So I want to remind you of our church's mission and, and faults on me for not articulating this more uh, specifically as our mission statement, but hopefully you read this and know while we don't necessarily stand up here weekly and say, here's our church's mission, here's our church's mission, hopefully you feel this mission being lived out regularly in the context of our church, that we as a church, Sovereign Hope Church is a body of believers who have been saved by the work of Jesus Christ and are committed to spreading joy and contentment in Him as we learn to hold fast to the hope of His second coming together. Right? Like, we want to be a place where you can come and gather and be pushed towards the joy and contentment in Christ that is tied to his second coming. Right? That we can be joyful and content today because we know he's coming back, that this isn't our end all be all. That whatever our lot lines, whatever our circumstances are today, that's not what we have to enjoy. That's not what our hope is in. Our hope is in the fact that he is coming once again. And so we want to be a place where, where you come and you understand more deeply uh, the return of Jesus, right? Hebrews chapter 10 is kind of a, 
a verse that you'll see posted on our website if you go there frequently. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right, the author of Hebrews there is telling us to gather regularly, to push each other to good works, to find joy and contentment in Christ as we look to the second coming, as we look to Jesus' return. We want this church to be a place where the return of Jesus is preached regularly and it's talked about often for the purposes of keeping us faithful and urgent in our daily walks. Look what Hebrews chapter 6 says in verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our anchor, our hope is in Jesus and it's in a Jesus who is coming again, right? And so this parable Jesus uses to remind his followers that there is coming a day where he will return, and that too is to be their hope. Now, what's presented here doesn't give us a whole lot of details, right? In fact, it's, it's really meant to minimize the details and to keep us in a state of confusion. We don't know when he's coming back, right? So it's not necessary that we as believers agree on all the details, we, don't want, we want to be a church, though, that equips you to know how to think about these details, right? So we can disagree on the timing of Jesus' return. We can disagree on the order of events. We can disagree about how Israel fits into all of that, right? What we have to agree on are the major ideas of his return, and those major ideas are found here in Luke chapter 12, that he is coming, that he's coming at an unexpected time, at a time when, when it'll be a surprise for a lot of people, Right? Um, and he's coming to gather the faithful. He's coming to judge the unfaithful. True Christians believe that Jesus is returning, and when he does, he will be the final solution to the problems of this world as he comes to subject both kingdoms and peoples to himself. That's the point of the parable this morning, that the return of Jesus is certain, while the timing of it remains unclear. So faithful servants must prepare for his return at any moment, by always being prepared and remaining actively faithful in serving him. Jesus says, don't be greedy with your stuff and don't be worrisome about your stuff, right? Keep in mind that your hope is tied to me and my return for you. And then he gives us some key concepts that we're going to focus in on today. A lot of unanswered questions about his return here, but a lot of things that we need to know. A lot of helpful information that like our weather app or our calendar app gives us enough about the future to make preparations and plans for today. How should I handle today? Well, my weather app says it may rain today. Let me grab my raincoat and my umbrella, right? There are things here that as we open, as we open this word, there are things here that tell us some things that we need to be doing to prepare because today could be the day that he returns. All right, let's jump right into our text today. Number one, stay awake to what is happening around you. Stay awake to what is happening around you. Two key ways that we're gonna see that we prepare for the coming of Jesus. One, we stay awake. 
It says in verse 35 here to stay dressed for action, to keep your lamps burning, to be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Now, there's a big push today, this, this idea of woke theology, that we're to stay woke. And, and, and what's happening there, what's being asked there is, is really this idea that we be conscious of what's happening around us and to be aware of the things that are being overlooked and missed. That's a real general way of understanding that term, right? Here, Jesus tells us not to stay woke, but to stay awake, right? To stay awake to what's happening around us, to be conscious of what could be missed if we're not careful, right? Don't miss what's happening around you, right? All of history is moving towards this climactic finish where Jesus comes. Jesus says, don't miss it. Don't be unprepared. Stay awake. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Number one here, we should be making daily decisions that reflect our belief Jesus could come at any moment. We should be making daily decisions that reflect our belief Jesus could come at any moment. We're told here to stay prepared like a faithful servant, to anticipate the coming with a mindset that is regularly looking for him. Now, the context that Jesus is using here is the Jewish wedding feast, and Jewish wedding feasts could last days at times, right? There wasn't necessarily a set start time and finish time. You guys get an invitation now. We get invitations today where, you know, we're invited to a wedding, and you're going to see a start time, and generally, even if an end time is not listed, you kind of have an idea that it's probably going to end at this time, right? So, so we don't ever bank on going to a wedding that's going to last multiple days. The context here is that these servants watch their master leave for a wedding feast, and they don't really have a good idea of when he's coming home. They don't, they don't really know the hour. And so the picture here is that they just prepare like he could come at any moment. They keep their lamps burning. They keep their garments girded and ready, right? They're not, they're not in their pajamas where they're unable to come and serve him as soon as he gets home. No, they're ready to do whatever he needs them to do when he comes back. They kept their lamps burning. They kept their garments prepped for action. Even though they didn't know exactly when he was coming, they were ready for it. There's times when um, we've got something going on as a family, but I'm slammed at school, and so I'm trying to get stuff done, and I'll just tell Lauren, I said, hey, um, as soon as I can get done, I'm coming home. If y'all can just be dressed and ready, as soon as I get there, we'll jump in the car and we'll head to the next place we're supposed to be, right? And so when I get there, the kids are dressed, they're ready. Um, they don't know when I'm showing up, right? But they know that I'm coming, and when I get there, they're going to be dressed and ready to go. That's the idea here for Jesus. He says, you're not going to know when I'm coming, but you better have your lamps burning, and you better have your garments ready for when I do. We should be making daily decisions that reflect our belief that he could come at any moment. Keeping our lamps burning, keeping our garments ready. Number two, we should remind ourselves regularly of his return so we aren't surprised by it. We should remind ourselves regularly of his return so we aren't surprised by his return. That's the other idea here is that while these servants were prepared and ready, if he were to come in the second watch or the third, meaning like in the late hours of the night or the early hours of the morning, blessed are those that he finds awake. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's multiple places that this idea of a thief coming in the night um, is, is portrayed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 2. 
For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober, right? There's, there's still this element of surprise, right? Even going off the idea of, of pregnancy, right? Um, as you get closer to the end of a pregnancy, you know that baby could really come at any moment. There's still an element of surprise when it actually does, but there's not a full-on crazy surprise, right? Like my wife has never called me or we've never been sitting at home and her say, oh my goodness, like I think I'm about to have a baby, right? And we'd be like, we're having a baby, right? Like, like that, that doesn't happen, right? Because there is a, a, an awareness, right? Like we're not completely in the dark about having a baby, right? Like we've been waiting for it, anticipating it for nine months, and now we've hit the day. Now the moment has happened. The water's breaking. It's time to go to the hospital. Jesus says, you're not completely unaware of when I'm coming. You know that I'm coming. It doesn't have to fully surprise you like this thief. You can be anticipating that I'm returning. Second Peter chapter 3 is another section. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on them will be exposed. He's coming. He's coming in a time and a way that will be unexpected for most. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Right? The idea of being prepared, not being caught off guard, taking action, making daily decisions that reflect that we believe he could come. At any moment, we should stay prepared like a wise homeowner. The thief doesn't have to be a surprise to us. His coming will catch most people by surprise and unprepared, but the faithful don't have to be caught like this. Stay awake to what's happening around you. Number two, stay active in what you are doing for him. Stay active in what you are doing for him. So Jesus is kind of bouncing around here a little bit with his his analogies in his parable. He starts off talking about servants who are waiting for a master to come home from a wedding feast. Then he's talking about a master who wouldn't leave his home if he knew the thief was coming at that time, right? We see now we go into um, the idea of verse 41 where Peter says, Lord, who are you talking to right now, right? Like sometimes the parables are meant for the general population, but we've seen also where sometimes he's directing them specifically to his followers. Peter says, Hey, who's this for right now? Are you telling this parable for us or for all? Right? Is it for all the population? Is it just for your followers? Is it for your followers today and for your followers down the road? Who are you talking to? Jesus doesn't really answer him, but he says in verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Our preparation and readiness now will impact our experience of his return. 
our preparation and readiness now will impact our experience of his return. And then number two, our faithfulness in service now will impact our level of service in eternity. So going back to number one there, our preparation and readiness now will impact our experience of his return. Are we ready for it or not ready for it? If we're ready for it, it's going to be a good experience. If we're not ready for it, not prepared, it's not going to be a good experience. But then number two, our faithfulness in service now will impact our level of service in eternity. Let's start by looking at that first piece. And we've already been talking about it. But servants who are found to be ready, wise, and faithful now when he comes will experience his service towards them. Now, we've talked about this part of the parable already when we looked at the um, unworthy servants, right? These servants who work all day, they come in in the evening, and they still serve their master, and they're not, they're not served themselves. I told you that Jesus kind of flips the script there. We serve him, and yet when he comes back, we find that he is willing, ready, and able to serve us. It says that when, when the master comes back from this wedding feast, blessed are the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, the master will dress himself for service, have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Right? All this call for us to be good Samaritans and good neighbors and to love others more than ourselves and to sacrifice our needs for the needs of others And Jesus is telling us there is coming a day when I return and I will serve you, right? This mutual serving that's going to take place because we obviously know that we continue to serve him. And yet there's also this picture of him serving us too, a wonderful celebration that we get to look forward to if we're looking for his return. Our preparation and readiness will impact our experience of his return. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for, by, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. The idea being that as we, as we anticipate his return, it shapes our daily decisions. We're preparing for it. We're, we're moving away from dark works. We're moving towards righteous works, right? We're renouncing ungodliness. We're embracing uh, uh, the idea of um, working for him and serving him, being zealous for his commands and being obedient to those commands. But then I find it really interesting that he talks about how faithful we are now will shape the type of responsibilities given to us in the future. Right? Don't miss that. Jesus says, who's the faithful and wise manager? Who will the master set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Who is the master looking to promote into leadership? Who is the master looking to give more responsibility to? And Jesus says, well, it's the person who, when he returns, is already doing these type of things. Like they're already faithfully doing these type of things and it'll be obvious that they should be moved into these type of positions when he comes back. Our faithfulness and service now will impact our level of service in eternity. Those who are doing well what they are called to do now will be entrusted to do more when he comes. Let that set in for a minute as you evaluate your own life, right? As we're talking about being good hearers and, and having good soil heart where the word falls and and springs roots and fruit into, right? 
are you living in such a way? Are you being faithful with what God has called you to today to where it will lead to further responsibility down the road? Because that's what's implied here, is that Jesus is going to come and say, okay, how faithful have you been? And now what can I entrust to you based on that faithfulness? This is similar to, to how like, uh, typically it's supposed to work this way, like in job settings, right? Like how do individuals get promoted? Well, it shouldn't be because of who they know or, or how well they're liked or who their buddy is. It should really be by performance, right? I strive for this for those who work under me. Those who, who work hard, those who don't complain, those who add to the environment, those who are faithful to start doing things that maybe they're not asked to do, well, when I need those things done, who do I go ask? The people who are faithfully doing those already, right? And I, and I pull them aside and I say, hey, what if we make you this position next year? What if we pay you this to do the type of things that you're already doing right now? Like you're already showing faithfulness. Why don't, why don't we just make that known to everybody and make that official? That's what's being talked about here. Jesus comes back and says, let's make it official. You're faithful. You're doing these things. You're going to keep doing these type of things in eternity. So let's, let's give you responsibility at my return. Our faithfulness and service now will impact our level of service in eternity. Number three, our exposure and application to truth now will impact our level of accountability when he returns. Our exposure and application to truth now will impact our level of accountability when he returns. Look what he goes on to say here in this next section. Verse 45, if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Just, just, just ponder that for a second, what's, what's being said there. What if the servant says, man, Jesus has taken a long time to come back and starts to go rogue in the way that he lives? The picture here is that the servant starts acting like a master versus remaining submitted to his master, right? Like if, if we have a servant mindset, man, I am, I am bought into following Jesus. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm submitted to him. I'm obeying him. Like all of life is filtered through this idea that I'm the unworthy servant and I'm just called to serve and I'm just called to love and I'm gonna trust him with the results of that. And, and, and I'm motivated to keep that mindset because I believe he's coming back and I wanna be found a faithful servant. But the moment I start thinking, Maybe he's not coming back. And maybe I never even verbalize that. Maybe I never even like admit that thought to myself. But the moment that I start to practically live as though I don't think he's coming back, that's when my life can start to deteriorate, right? The master has delayed his coming and the servant says, who knows when he's coming? Who knows if he even is coming? And he begins to act like a master himself. He starts to beat the other servants. Instead of serving, he begins to take advantage of and abusive towards other people. Now, lest we think that that's not us, right? If you're not being the good Samaritan, 
right? If you're not serving and loving others, you didn't have to beat the guy up that's on the side of the road. You can be like the priest and the Levite that just walk right by him and say, I'm not helping, right? You're just as guilty of beating him up if you're not taking action to help and to serve, right? So this, this guy says, Mama Master's not coming back. I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to beat other people up. I'm just going to take advantage of them. I'm going to abuse them. I'm not going to see myself as a servant to all. I'm going to see others as my servants, and I'm going I'm to plow over them. I'm going to use them and abuse them for whatever makes me feel good. Goes on to say that he eats and drinks and he gets drunk. Don't, don't lose sight of the fact that we just talked about somebody who was eating and drinking and getting drunk verses prior to this with the rich fool, right? Remember, he said, let me eat and drink and be merry, right? Because I'm not concerned about anything else but the here and now. Jesus cautions us to have this type of mindset. Now, those of us that are, that are getting older and, and, and closer to what I guess we would picture to be a normal age of death, the return of Jesus becomes all the more real to us, right? Because we know either we're gonna die or Jesus is gonna come back. So we start to think about eternal things more frequently. Those of you that are on the younger end of the spectrum in here today, right? Our kids and our youth, this seems like forever away from now, right? The concepts of death and Jesus coming back, well, certainly not before I graduate high school and certainly not before I go off to college and certainly not before I get married and have kids. I know that because that's where I was when I was your age, right? Like the concepts of Jesus coming back, that's, that's years from now, centuries from now maybe. And my own personal death, definitely a long ways away. There was no urgency in my life when I was a teenager to live like we're being called to live here. I wasn't keeping my lamp burning like I should. I wasn't keeping my garments girded. I didn't think about Jesus coming back ever. Jesus says, don't lose sight of the fact that if you don't think about my return, your life is going to deteriorate. You're not going to see yourself serving until Jesus comes. You're going to see yourself as the one who should be served. You're going to see opportunities to enjoy the here and now, to find pleasures of this world satisfying for the here and now. And then verse 46, the master of the servant will come. He's still going to come even though you thought that he wasn't. And he's going to cut those individuals into pieces and put them with the unfaithful. Let me read a few things that I put in my notes here for the sake of time. Once a professing believer starts thinking his master is not returning, his life begins to deteriorate. When we're not loving him properly, we're not loving others properly. The servant who lives as though Christ is delayed, who lives for himself rather than for the master, by becoming his own master, treating others as servants, eating and drinking to get drunk on this world, that servant will be counted with the unfaithful. It's the same activity as the rich fool above. He too is caught by the thief coming in the middle of the night, and he's totally unprepared. Let me give you this quote from Jonathan Edwards. Had a whole list of resolutions that he made for his life, right? This one ties in so well with what we're talking about here. He says, I resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. I resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. What's he saying there? He's saying we should always be found doing nothing which we would not like to be found doing when Christ returns. He says, I don't ever want to do anything that I would be ashamed of if Jesus were to come within the next hour. Like, I don't want that to be the last thing that I was doing when he comes. And because we don't know the hour that he's coming, 
What the resolution means is, is that we never do anything that we would want to be, we'd be found embarrassed to be doing when Jesus comes. Imagine if we just lived our life this way, right? When we find ourselves tempted to sin, we would be motivated to run and to flee youthful lusts. When we find ourselves in conflict with others, we would find ourselves wanting to fix that conflict immediately so that we're not found to be in, in anger or bitterness when Jesus comes, right? We, we would be motivated totally differently if we lived by this resolution, never to do anything which we'd be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear that last trump. What we find when Jesus returns is just punishment and just commendation being handed out. He talks about those who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will. They receive a severe beating. The one who did not know and who did what was, uh, deserved a beating will receive a lighter beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of, much, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I put in my notes, there's just punishment here. Those who knew and did not hear well, did not respond, will be held strongly accountable. Those with less knowledge will still have an appropriate punishment too. There's this just proverb here of much has been given to you, much is going to be required of you. Now, lest you're wondering which group you fall into here, you fall into the much required category, right? All of us do. Because for the most part, all of us in here are coming from Christian families. We've been a part of great churches over the course of our life. Um, a lot of you have gone to Christian schools or been a part of Christian education. Um, if not some of those things, all of us have a full Bible, which not all believers have had for all of history, right? We have the full Bible written in a language that we can read and understand. We have countless resources available to us, spiritual leaders in abundance around us, so many opportunities to grow and be discipled. We're in the more accountable category, right? And for those who maybe continue to sit and to listen and to not respond, you've got the hard heart, the, the hard ground where the seed keeps falling, but the ravens keep coming and taking it, right? There's going to be great accountability for that. The unfaithful squander what they know to be true, and they abuse those around them for their own purposes, Ephesians 5, 5 through 7 reminds us that behaving in unchristian ways shows us to be unbelievers. He says you'll be counted with the unfaithful. Not because you're going to lose your salvation and have to go back to this group. It's that, hey, you, you were always a part of this unfaithful group. Yes, you were a professing believer. Yes, you claim to serve Jesus. But your lack of action, your lack of service shows you to be part of the unfaithful. You can't be Christ's servant and refuse to do his work. It leads to condemnation. It's also what happens in the workplace, right? You can't be a worker and not do the work. You get fired for it. You get fired for it when you don't do your work. And that's what happens here. Jesus shows back up and says, you're not a servant. You haven't been working for me. Like, like you're, not, you're not part of me. You're not, I don't know you. The reminder to us here is that everything is revealed when he returns. It's paramount that we make sure our lives match our professions truth is that when Jesus returns, he will reward or punish us based on our faithfulness to him during the time he was not physically present. Jesus is away right now. What will we do with his time away? Will we be faithful to him? Will we listen to his word? Will we respond to it? Or will we be like this unwise servant who says, 
my master's not been here for a while. I can probably get away with some stuff. I could probably live uh, in, in a minimized type of way like we talked about last week. I'm not going to maximize the commands. I'm going to minimize them. I'm going to try to do enough to get by and still have some time left over to do the things that I want to do. Jesus says, be careful with that type of mindset because he is coming. And he's coming like a thief at a time when we do not expect. Blessed are the ones who are found to be faithful. Blessed are the ones who are found to be ready. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Says he, talking about Jesus, who testifies to these things, says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. The next phrase there is, come Lord Jesus. That should be all of our cries today, right? That we hear this message that Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And our everyday response should be, come Lord Jesus, because I'm ready. Come Lord Jesus. Not because I'm, I'm ready simply to get away from the, the tiredness and the trials of this world. Come Lord Jesus, because I am being faithful. Come Lord Jesus, because I am shaping my life's decisions today on the belief that I could believe you could come today. Right? Come, Lord Jesus, today. Not three weeks from now after I get my, my life in order. Come, Lord Jesus, today because my life is in order. Right? I'm living every day like I'm opening up an app saying, hey, it could rain today. Hey, Jesus could come today. I need to live with such urgency. He says he's coming soon. The faithful say, come soon. Two points of application that I want to leave you with today. Number one, what do your present actions suggest you believe about the future? Do you look prepared and ready? What do your present actions suggest you believe about the future? Do you look prepared and ready? I want to give you three truths that we're going to just kind of ponder and meditate on as we leave today. Truth to shape your life as you leave today that we've seen in this passage. Number one, there's urgency. Jesus could come at any moment. There's probably none of us that believe Jesus is coming today if we're honest with ourselves, which makes it a great day for him to come back, right? Comes when we least expect it. Comes when we don't think he's coming. Will we live our life today like we believe he could? Not that he will, but that he could. And if he did... We'd be okay with that. We'd be prepared for it. We'd have our lamps burning. We'd have our garments girded. We'd be ready to serve, only to find that he's ready to serve us. That we wouldn't have him come back and him find us to be with the unfaithful. Intentionality. When Jesus comes, our faithfulness to serve him now will shape what eternity is like for us. Just ponder that truth for a minute. Your faithfulness to him now is going to potentially, or not potentially, it will, because this is pretty clear, it will shape the type of things that you're involved in for eternity. And, and youth, you're not exempt from this. We, we've, we've, we've talked several times recently about how I want you as youth in our church to, to live above the normal expectation for youth at this age and how they interact with God's Word, right? Like God's Word doesn't have to be boring. It's not irrelevant for you. It's not hard to understand. It is absolutely relevant for you. And it's been relevant for you for, for thousands of centuries, right? Like, like it is relevant for you. And I'm telling you, there is a responsibility that you have because you have been raised to hear it countless times. And if he were to come back today, you would be held accountable for all that you've heard. You will be held accountable for the condition of your heart's soil. Did you reject it? Did you let it get choked out because of the things of this world being more important? 
Was eating and drinking and being merry more important than living for him? Know that how you are choosing to live at school this week, how you choose to interact with your friends, how you choose to interact with your teachers, how you choose to make decisions when no adult is looking, and it's going to shape your eternity, right? Your salvation isn't hending on it, hend, hend, hending on it, but it, it is going to be impacted. Like what you're doing, the responsibilities that are given to you. Jesus says, like, hey, when I come back and find you faithful, man, I'm going to give you all kinds of things to be faithful with in, in eternity. Man, be evaluating your life. Are you are you doing anything with the things that you're you're, you're hearing? Intentionality and then accountability. Failure to serve Jesus now will result in us being counted with the unfaithful when he comes. It's not something that we can push off till later. We don't start serving Jesus later when it's more convenient for our schedule. Failure to serve him now will result in us being counted with the unfaithful when he comes. Last point of application for us. Are you occupying yourself with his business in spite of the delay or taking advantage of it with temporary pleasures? Are you occupying yourself with his business in spite of the delay? Are you the, the, the servant who's waiting for the master to come back from the wedding feast? Your, your lamps are burning. Your, your garments are girded. There's plenty of other things you could be doing, but no, you believe your master's coming back, and so that is what is driving your decision-making. Or are you like the unwise manager who says, my master's not coming today, right? I'm going to beat the servants. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going I'm to engage in temporary pleasures because I don't think he's coming today. There needs to be urgency in our minds. He could come at any point. We need to be ready when he does. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the reminders. Lord, we are so prone to get caught up into the daily um, worries. And you've addressed that in Luke 12. You've told us, hey, don't worry about what you eat and what you drink. Um, trust the fact that if, if I take care of the fields and I, and I take care of the, the birds, then I'm going to take care of you. So God, we, we thank you that we can trust you with our daily cares. Lord, help us to turn our worry into watchfulness. Lord, help us to be mindful that you are coming and that it ought to shape our daily decisions just as we open up an app to see what we're supposed to do today and what type of clothing we should wear today based on the anticipated temperature and weather. Lord, help us to open your word as we've done this morning and to see today could be the day that you come. Lord, help us to be found faithful if today is that day. Lord, help us to be found doing things, being active with things that are consistent with your word. Lord, help us to to be engaging in activities that are reflective of our lamps burning and our garments being girded, not for the things of this world, but for the one to come. Lord, give us an urgency to be found faithful now, to, to heed what we are hearing, to respond to what we're hearing, to understand there's accountability coming for what we've heard. We're not like a student who's absent when the test was announced. Lord, we've all been here. We've all been present. We've all heard the test is coming. Lord, help us to be prepared for it when it comes. Help us to see that we will be held accountable. God, if we've not turned to you, Lord, I pray that you would turn hearts to you today. For those that are faithful to you now, Lord, keep them faithful. Keep them pressing on. Keep their mindset set on the future. Even in the midst of present disappointments, Lord, 
We want our joy and contentment to be in Christ as we learn to hold fast to the hope of your second coming. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.